0: This is Create Love, Create Freedom Podcast. My name is Alison Fisher, and on today's episode, we are going to be talking about imposter syndrome and the feminine. So when we think about what constitutes imposter syndrome, it is really very deeply tied to achievement. Um, that maybe sometimes some of our success is simply a fluke that it comes down to luck. Yeah, we may have prepared a little bit to put ourselves in a situation where we might get lucky, but at the same time, do we really deserve? Do we really deserve this achievement, this accolade, this promotion maybe it work? Do we really deserve this relationship? I think that imposter syndrome can show up in a lot of ways in our lives. Um, Am I worthy of sometimes even loving myself? I think that those are kind of some of the ways that imposter syndrome can really show up for us as women. Um, I think that. I I think that kind of in modern day or, you know, with social media and whatnot, I think it also will kind of show up as, um, you know, like pretty girl, right? Where because of your looks, because you are likable, because you over give, you are then, you know, kind of given this Achievement, this accolade, maybe at work, or you're able to snag that guy. But at the same time, kind of deep down, you're like, am I really worthy of that? And for me, like I said, imposter syndrome has really shown up both in my, you know, romantic life um, with relationships with men in the past, it has shown up in my work. Um, and one of I think the kind of the major theme is that it really holds me back because it constantly makes me question who i am uh did i was I just given this um because of again, maybe the way I look, maybe how I show up in terms of you know being likable, you know these kind of factors that are unrelated to my knowledge, my skills. Um, you know, my intellect, that type of thing. And again, it puts a lot of stress, a lot of pressure, a lot of anxiety on us as women. We are already, I feel so many times like we fight to be in the workplace, not just be in it because, you know, it's of course much more mainstream, you know, after the 80s and, you know, we had the wonderful Anita Hill who um, you know, stepped up in terms of women in the workplace and whatnot. But I still think that there is a lot of kind of the old boys' club. You know, men have mentors that they look towards. Men in general, especially, you know, climbing the corporate ladder, and I think especially white men in America, they really don't ever question. Whether or not they should get that promotion, whether or not they are worthy, whether or not they should be able to date that girl. And I I think that some of this, certainly we can all feel like imposters from time to time. And I do think a lot of it shows up, you know, with our childhood. And look, we've really got to dig into our wounds and our trauma. But I also think that it creates a lot of undue stress, anxiety a lot of shame, and a lot of feelings of being inadequate and not good enough. It brings up all of these kinds of feelings for us. So, of course, it can show up in our work, and it can also very much show up in our romantic relationships. Um, I've often even felt it sometimes in family dynamics. Um, Maybe not am I worthy of being part of this family, but that kind of constant questioning of whether or not this is really kind of the space. Um, Should I be able to talk about the things that really matter to me when there are so many other people that you know, in my family because of the way that they think about things. Um, are they really, you know, am I am I able to share any of that stuff? Or am I just being kind of what my aunt or my uncle or my mom or my dad or my sister or my brother said, which was, Oh, you just think that you're too good for this or that or whatever. Because you are growing, you're improving your life, you are transforming, you're becoming this person who understands uh, you know so much of their their wounds and their trauma, and so for me again, it showed up in my life as a lot of stress and anxiety, and it also really showed up as me constantly trying to prove my worth, uh, being worthy of men, being worthy in the same room as men. Um, it really showed up as me trying to prove my worth to my parents. Um, trying to prove my worth to the men that I was dating. And it took a very long time to kind of change that conversation and move that. Uh, Another way that it really showed up in both my work and my relationships was feeling like I constantly need to be either working at work or constantly need to be uh, doing in the relationship. Overgiving. People pleasing, always being helpful, and I think especially in our work culture, particularly here in the United States, we we glorify working overtime. We glorify working these super long hours. You know, um, I hear women all the time. I have a friend who's an attorney, and she's like. Well, I, you know, I'm hoping to become partner because I've put in the work. I've been working 60 hour weeks now for the last 10 years. And I think that this also really takes so much time away from just simply living other aspects of our life. Um, and I think that when it can flare up in one area of our life, like our work, uh, it can flare up in other areas of our life or You know, depending on our childhood wounds and trauma and that kind of thing, whether or not we have maybe um, some issues with um, insecure attachment style, that kind of thing, it can just kind of constantly plague us, constantly be there in the back of our mind. Do I really deserve that? Am I worthy of that? Am I worthy of being loved by that person? Am I worthy of being loved by myself? And. I think as well that this kind of allows us to diminish um, the kinds of hobbies that we have, the kinds of time off, rest. Um, we're constantly moving towards burnout when we are kind of constantly prioritizing work, priorities, prioritizing our career over our personal life. And I think another thing that's often a very big imbalance between men and women in the workplace and also in our relationships is that individualism is worth more than teamwork. To me, a really good relationship um, partner between, you know, a man and a woman, at least uh, from, from my perspective, is that it's a team, it's a team effort. Like I didn't marry you in order to gain another kid, in order to constantly do for you. I don't mind doing, but when it there's no reciprocation of that energy. My sister and I were just having a conversation about sexuality and why women often don't want to engage sexually with their partners or their husbands. And so much of it is maybe the, the loss of respect uh, for a partner. You know, um, the, the kinds of childhood wounds and trauma and baggage that they bring into the relationship um, that maybe someone didn't notice when they got married a bit younger. And that kind of constant negativity, it affects every aspect of a marriage. When one person isn't really dealing with that or working on their, their stuff. And the other thing that I've noticed as well is that it often hinders us and holds us back. So when we, when we're held back by, you know, the self-sabotage and the wounds and the trauma, we bring it to the other person. They're constantly living in that chaos with us to a different degree because they are not us, but we then often underachieve. And so we see that show up as the wounded masculine in a man, Um, you know, constantly needing direction or never, you know, kind of wanting to prove his worth, but never really feeling like he can or he does. And, you know, just kind of always underperforming, not having a purpose in life. And I think then on the other uh, end of the spectrum is the distorted masculine, where it's the overachieving. Um, I got to show everybody else how successful I am. I need to buy a lot of stuff in order to show people that I've got my shit together. Um, That, you know, like being venerated by other men or society right society is telling you because you bought that watch or that car or you have that gorgeous woman by you know on your arm cuz you wear that suit well now you're something and what i find though is that you know in these kinds of marriages women often are much less sexually interested in their spouses And so then again, that creates a lot of tension and whatnot. Um, And then there's kind of that divide, right? Well, I married you, the wife, in order to make sure the household was taken care of. Yet she also has a full-time job. Um, Maybe she goes to school to better herself uh, maybe she, you know, does some online stuff. Maybe she volunteers. You know, she's taking care of the kids. Um, you know, she's doing all of these things. Plus, the entire household burden is on her, and also sometimes the emotional burden. And that is also very much reciprocated in the workplace, where individualism is worth more. Uh, we see it in popular TV shows. Uh, rather than the kind of team approach. Okay, I'm going to take care of this portion right now, at least. Maybe two weeks later, I'm going to get kind of bored and can I switch it up to this other thing? Okay, cool. Like, that's totally fine. It's the same thing with household work. It's the same thing with being that teammate in the household. Hey, babe, I can totally tell that you're exhausted right now. Let me take care of the kids tonight. No, you cooked. Let me clean up. I got this. And then reciprocating, we we do that for others, they do that for us. We do that for our partner, they do that for us. We do that uh you know with our colleagues, they do that for us. Doesn't mean everything's perfect, right? It's not 50-50 or 100-100, but it's it's at least some sort of kind of balance. And I feel like Part of that imposter syndrome, both in the workplace as well as in the home and in marriages and in romantic relationships, is that you know one person is doing a lot of the work, the bulk of the work. And so much of the time for women, it also is the emotional heavy lifting and we are constantly you know not trying to bury our head under the sand we're really trying to look at the things why don't i have the life that i want why am i struggling with this or with that and and then we really go down that research rabbit hole we start you know looking for you know what's the root of the problem how do i fix this problem how do i create a life that is deeply fulfilling. Because, you know, sometimes when we're in this spot, especially with the imposter syndrome, we don't feel authentic. We don't feel like we are really living the life that we want to be living. Now, if you are feeling a sense of imposter syndrome, I think one of the beautiful things about it, just kind of like any beautiful thing when it comes to, you know, um, kind of realizing that there's some things that are out of balance in our life. I think that this is a really great opportunity when we kind of stop seeing it as, Oh, I've got this problem, right? I've got all this stress, this anxiety. I am really struggling with my sense of self-worth, you know, um, I'm I'm having all of these kinds of uh, frustrations and whatnot. Well, maybe instead we can see it as a really positive thing and go, oh, okay, my body is telling me something. My mind, my heart, my soul, they're all telling me something that, you know, um, I need to dive into this. I need to look a little deeper. I need to reexamine some aspects of my life. And I think that when we kind of switch our mind over to this is a weakness that I have, this is something incredibly negative, and instead we can really say, oh, wait a minute, no, this is just, again, maybe my body revealing something to me. I shouldn't be feeling this much anxiety and stress. Maybe it's kind of hard to notice that sometimes because you've been in it so long, right? But then we can really move into, excuse me, into deeper connection with maybe our nervous system. Maybe looking at polyvagal theory a little bit. We can begin to see, oh, wow, I am living in the yellow. I'm not living in the green at all. I'm in this space where I'm constantly in you know, I, I constantly have a heightened nervous system. Um, you know, I'm not in this kind of green space. I call it the green, the yellow, and the red. And, you know, I'm not in the green where I, you know, am in the ventral vagal system of polyvagal theory. So that's the system of connection. I'm not a, you know, where where we normally would be able to meet the demands of the day, go with the flow connect to life, engage with life. We're able to really communicate, um, particularly our needs, I think, to the people around us, our colleagues, our family, our friends, our partners. And instead we realize, oh gosh, I'm living in this sympathetic system, the yellow, the system of action where I'm feeling angry, I'm feeling anxious. There's this internal chaotic energy. I'm wanting to escape life. This is often where we pick up so many of those bad habits, right? Um, whether it be, you know, um, not getting enough exercise, not getting enough time in nature, um, not um, eating well, uh, staying up way past our bedtime watching TV because we're kind of angry or irritated at the fact that we actually have to go back to that job tomorrow. Or we're avoiding something. So we're using alcohol or maybe prescription drugs or whatever it is to cover certain things up so that we don't have to face them. And this is also the state where sometimes we feel the need to attack. So if we are in that place, if we have this kind of imposter syndrome as feminine women, our relationships are going to suffer. The most important relationship that's going to suffer is the one we have with ourselves. And to me, that is, that's is—that's a really kind of big and important uh, thing to look at. So I read a book called The Secret Thoughts of Successful Women, Why Capable People Suffer from Imposter Syndrome and How to Thrive in Spite of It. And what I found really interesting is this woman who wrote it, Valerie Young, She talks about five different types of imposter syndrome. And I want to go through each one of those. And you can either kind of identify, maybe this one's a little bit more like me. Um, You know, these are not perfect definitions. So, um, what's interesting for me on on this side of, you know, growth and transformation and, you know, healing wounds and trauma and whatnot is that I don't actually identify with any of them. But I can remember some of them I did identify with, but they were slightly different. So it's okay if you kind of change the wording or say, "Okay, yeah, I kind of sound like the perfectionist, but it shows up for me slightly different than the way that you know I'm talking about it right now. So you know, if you're so the first is the perfectionist. So if you are um in this kind of perfectionistic space, and by the way, if you, Really struggle with perfectionism, I did a masterclass in our members club um, about perfectionism in the feminine and perfectionism in general. And I also did a podcast episode on it. So you can totally uh, take a look at that. But when you are the perfectionist, when it comes to imposter syndrome, you find it hard to be very satisfied with your achievements. You constantly focus on little tiny minor flaws, either in other people, meaning um, at work or your partner, or within yourself. Sometimes it can only be within yourself. So instead of focusing in on, wow, I achieved that this year, I did that. I put in the time and the effort and the work, and I did all those things. And instead you say, well, but you know, on my January calendar, or when I when I wrote out all the things that I wanted to accomplish this year, I didn't get it done, or I didn't get quite all the things I wanted done. You can kind of see that that's the perfectionist. Everything has to be exactly perfect every single time. So when we, let's think about it from a positive perspective. In a point of view where being a perfectionist could actually be a um a strength. So this generally means you have a high standard of work. You work towards that goal. you produce results. sometimes they're very impressive. And I think that instead of seeing it as perfectionism uh, and in order to kind of back away from some of the perfectionism. I think it's really important that we embrace excellence instead of seeing ourselves, you know, even if we can say, yeah, I'm totally the perfectionist, why not start to change how you think about yourself and say, well, um, I'm the person who pursues excellence, not perfection anymore. And I think that that can be a very good way of starting to change that narrative starting to change how you view yourself as this kind of imposter. So when you perceive some sort of flaw, understand that we are all going to make mistakes. Uh, Just a couple of days ago, I had a woman who reached out on Instagram and she was like, oh, you misspelled that. It was one letter in one word. I think you meant this, not that. And it was like, yeah, um, I am also human. I am going to every once in a while make a mistake. Even when I speak here on the podcast, every once in a while, I have to correct myself. It's okay. It's not that big of a deal. I'm learning. I am growing. I simply misspoke. I think it's also important to understand that you have to really separate yourself from your feelings. So I think sometimes when people are perfectionistic, Or they are the perfectionist in terms of imposter syndrome. Um, We have to separate ourselves from the flaw. We're not a failure simply because we made one mistake. And I think that we really need to celebrate the wins. We, I don't know about necessarily rewarding ourselves. You can do that if you want to, if you feel that that's really good. But instead of being, instead of tearing everything apart, say, Remember that the first time that Apple put out an iPhone, it didn't even have a calculator on it. Minimum viable product is still sometimes good enough. Um, I am uh, working and finishing, I finished up a course for you all. There's a free quiz called the Feminine Reclaiming Quiz, uh, Feminine Reclaiming Process Quiz, and then also the Feminine Reclaiming um, Course. and my videos are not perfect um but yet putting the information out there creating the community around that so that women who are struggling right to move out of their wounded or their distorted space are supported seen heard loved like that's important too the next iteration when i say you know a year or two down the road i'm going to redo all of that It's going to be even better that next time. I remember, so I have PCOS and I took a course by a woman by the name of Claire Goodwin. She's phenomenal, by the way. Um, The PCOS nutritionist is her website and her podcast. And she, the first time I took the PCOS protocol, um, it was not as good as this next iteration. She redid all the videos. Well, now she has an entire team behind her. Isn't that amazing? You know, it's okay that something isn't flawless the first time you put it out. You can be flawless as just who you are, like, um, you know, how you see yourself internally and still have some flaws in your life. Um, You know, reward or, or celebrate the wins and submit work that isn't always perfect. It's totally okay. I could go through and edit in painstaking detail every single podcast episode or every single uh, Instagram post or every single video. And occasionally I'm still going to have a mistake and it's okay. So the next type of perfectionist uh, in this book that Valerie Young um, wrote on uh, the secrets to the secret thoughts of su- successful women, is the expert. So, this is the woman who's never really satisfied with the level of knowledge, understanding, and mastery that she has over a topic. You will generally be the kind of person who's highly skilled, highly educated, well-spoken. Um, but you will often feel like a failure when there's something that you don't know. That's actually one of the things that really held me back, I think, from starting the podcast earlier. Well, I don't know everything. People could totally tear everything I say apart. Well, yeah, they could. And I, you know, generally, depending on what kind of topic I'm discussing, I will say this is what I know right now. This is what I've studied about this right now. This may change. And I think part of that is really understanding that if you are curious, you can really overcome this kind of never being satisfied with your level of knowledge. I mean, there's a difference between, what did did David Goggins say? I am peaceful, yet not satisfied. So maybe you can um, come at it from, okay, I stand in the knowledge that I've built so far. But I've got all of these years ahead of me in life to continue gaining knowledge, to continue reading books, to continue educating myself on different things. It's okay if I don't know something right now. And again, I think it's really important to see the strengths and to see yourself instead of just being this kind of imposter. Embrace the fact that you are highly curious, that you are interested in constantly educating yourself and growing yourself. You have all of this rich knowledge, and yet you don't know it all. It's it's an asset to not know it all. Actually, when I was in the financial planning kind of space um, years ago, I actually told some very wealthy clients and said, you know, they asked a couple of questions and the wife asked a couple of questions. And I said, I don't know the answer to that, but I'm going to connect both of us to the person, to the financial advisor who knows even more than I do. About that, and we're gonna to talk to them about it. And she said, that was actually one of the reasons why we invested with you. Because you didn't try to, you know, blow smoke up my ass. You said, I don't know. Because well, here's the thing: we can't know everything. And we certainly can't know it from everyone's perspective. But we think again, when we see it as a when we see our knowledge as a strength. And we kind of step away from this imposter kind of space. We can understand that not only have we acquired an abundance of knowledge, but it's your quest for knowledge that makes you an expert in continuing to problem solve, to well, analyze, to um Absorb, bring in new information. I'm sure that in the future, and I've certainly done this uh, in podcast episodes where I'll do some different kind of titles, but it'll be a similar topic because guess what? I just learned something new. I will often finish a podcast episode and then go, "Oh, I forgot to say that thing. That was so good." And you know what? It's okay. We're we're not always going to remember. So again. Um, some ideas when it comes to kind of working through this space of imposter syndrome, in my opinion, again, you're staying constantly curious and you're saying it's okay that I don't know everything um you if I'm staying curious, my lack of knowledge doesn't make me a fraud um. Know and understand that a lack of knowledge doesn't mean that you're a failure. And I think that as well, embrace what you have to offer and see it as like a beautiful opportunity when you don't know something. One of the things I love listening to, I will never get tired when Dr. Andrew Huberman on um Huberman Labs podcast says oh, I'm wrong about that. Oh, that's wonderful. I love being wrong. Like when we can embrace that kind of mindset, this is a guy who is definitely an expert at so many things. He brings so much uh, rich information, but he's always okay with being wrong. And what I find really interesting about that and and, um, interesting about imposter syndrome is that, When we work on these deeper wounds and trauma, when we look at really healing our sense of self-worth, where we get our sense of self-esteem from, right? Self-worth is how we feel about ourselves in deep inside, kind of an internal space. And self-esteem is how we feel about ourselves, but it's based on the external world and what other people say about us or what the data says about us. And what I find really fascinating is, you know, when we dive into that and we go deeper with, our, with ourselves, we are self-actualizing and we are able to, you know, um, really address this. And then it's not a problem for us to say, oh, cool, I was totally wrong about that. Huh, tell me more. What do I not know? Or what did I mistakenly, you know, what did I misunderstand? And I think that that's a really beautiful space to be in any kind of, you know, imposter situation, whether that be at work. Frankly, even in our relationships, in our parenting, how fabulous is it when, you know, someone can say, To their child or or you as the child you hear, oh, mommy got that wrong. I'm sorry about that, baby. Here, this is this is what I got wrong. Here, so I'm gonna change that. And you're literally showing your child how to build not only like a secure attachment with you, um, but that you're a fallible human being too. And it's the same thing in our relationships, like how much deeper could some of our relationships be in the connection and the closeness and, you know, um, really loving each other rather than becoming angry or bitter or resentful because we say, I was wrong. I didn't know that. Um, I watch the show I didn't watch much uh, TV or many shows as if you've listened to the podcast before, you know that about me. I don't own a TV. Um, and I certainly don't own a TV in my bedroom, uh, but uh, that's just me. Uh, but I watched the show, The Diplomat, and the CIA character on the show, The Diplomat, she always says, I always assume that every single person I talk to doesn't have all the information. Again, a beautiful way of looking at it. So let's look at the third um, kind of imposter syndrome uh kind of space, right? The the another type of imposter syndrome. And that is the soloist. So um Valerie Young, the author of the book. She really describes that the soloist is the person who gets their confidence from her productivity. And she really sees asking for help as a weakness. And again, we can see how this shows up for the women we know, maybe for ourselves, both at work, uh, in our parenting, uh, and in our intimate relationships. And in order for her to be able to kind of claim the achievement, she has to have done it completely herself. And this is a little bit different than just kind of saying, oh, no, no, I was part of a team, right? Well, thank you, thank you for uh, you know appreciating my work or those kinds of things. You know, it was also a team effort. This is the woman who really can't accept any sort of achievement, um, because she will you know, really kind of do that that thing that sometimes we do as women, which is no, 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 like I, I was just this little tiny fish in a huge pond. You know, kind of thing, right? Instead of saying, yeah, no, I was a team member on that. I was part of that. Thank you. I appreciate you you uh, noticing or seeing those things about me. So again, when we take it from uh, a negative kind of aspect, oh gosh, I do that all the time, right? We can see the strength in that, which is we can we navigate challenges to produce results without assistance, and that's a beautiful thing. We are going to need to do that in life. Maybe not all of the time, but definitely sometimes. And, you know, you are that kind of woman who embraces her ability to get things done. When other people can't handle it, you're going to be the woman who says, okay, I got this. This and this and this and this need to be done. This is how we're going to do it. You know, that kind of thing. Um, Or being that kind of woman who says, I've got this someone else kind of dropped the ball on that, whatever, I get it done. And now this can actually make you an excellent part of a team. But it also means that you have really great skills about getting things done, even when people don't give you direction or you don't have the right resources or whatever, you can teach others. So uh, some can kind of continued thoughts on that. Um, feeling this kind of imposter syndrome. Really take a hard look at and, and change your internal dialogue on asking for help as a sign of weakness. To me, that is a societal trauma response. I don't need anyone. I am hyper-independent. That also shows me a little bit of the distorted feminine energy right there. Now also remember that success is supposed to be shared. If we view life that way, this is one of the ways that I really try to be a great friend to other women and the women that I am friends with. I relentlessly praise their success. Good job, girl. That doesn't mean there's less for me. This isn't a zero sum game. If she wins, I lose. That's not the game that we're playing. That's not life. this, This person can win and I can win. Success can also be shared. And it's still a huge achievement for both of you. Look at how well so many people do with collaborations. Even here on the podcast, I collaborate with other men and women. Share your story with me. Tell me some of the things that you've got going on um, let's dive deep. Let's connect on a very deep level with each other. Another thing as well is really celebrate yourself and say, see, girl, look at you. You are taking a step forward and, and really working on this kind of form of imposter syndrome because you're working with other people. And I think it's also Really important to again, even if you haven't done something completely on your own, or maybe you didn't complete that thing yet, and somebody else did. Celebrate them and their success. Again, see it as see it as being that we can all win. That can be hard in um, corporate culture. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, But I think at the same time, it really moves us away from that kind of imposter syndrome of, well, if I don't do it all myself, I don't deserve any uh, success or someone saying something positive about uh, that thing that I've done. So another form of imposter syndrome is what is called the natural genius. And this is the woman who sets big goals. And then she really struggles if she fails on the first try. So she judges herself and her competence on how quickly she can achieve something and how easy it is for her to do so, to to obtain that goal. Now, when we look at it again from the positive side, and we look at it from being a strength, um, you... I don't see it as... um, I hate the idea of, oh, that person's just naturally talented. The truth is is that some things are going to be easier for some people, and some things are going to be harder for other people. For me, learning a language has always been a bit of a struggle. I don't know why. Um, it's gotten a bit easier. Again, the more I, you know, dive into wounds and trauma and I heal some things, including imposter syndrome. Um, but, you know, I think it's really important to understand that it's definitely an advantage um, when you, you know, whether you uh, get it perfectly the first time or not. You are talented, maybe not naturally talented. Some of us have to work at it a bit, but you can get confidence from those kinds of innate abilities that you have, right? Um, I know that you know I am a person who's deeply organized. Um, I'm a person who is really guided by my intuition a lot. And I can sense things about other people a lot of the time. And, you know, utilizing those strengths is really important. So when it comes to working through this kind of imposter syndrome, I think it's really important that just because you don't master something immediately, it does not mean that you're a failure. And it also means that you have an opportunity to learn. I think it's always a really positive thing. And sometimes I find that, especially in business, that thing that I launched or that I tried, it didn't really resonate with people. Well, sure, there's a moment of being like, oh, ouch, okay. Nobody likes me. Instead, shifting it to, okay, it just didn't resonate. Maybe it was my messaging. Maybe it was the wrong time. Maybe I needed something else first to help women in this capacity, and then they will be ready to dive into this other thing. Okay, that's wonderful. And I, I think it's really important anytime that you can you can look at things and, and kind of have this opportunity for growth. So instead of being in that space where oh, I'm just naturally talented at this, everything comes easy. Uh, We've actually seen in studies and research done on children who then obviously grow up to be adults, when things didn't come as easily for them, no, they may have not had the highest grades in high school or undergraduate in college and at university, but because they had to work harder for something, they usually greatly surpassed their peers. I find that fascinating. And then lastly, the the last kind of imposter syndrome space that a woman can find herself in is called the superhero. This is where you really focus on how many balls you can have in the air at one time. Uh, Again, this is kind of that space of putting a lot of stress on yourself. Oh, look at me. I can handle this this and 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 this. And especially when you keep all the balls going in the air, juggling them, and you um, you can achieve all these things at one time. And so you feel like a, a very deep failure when you can't handle everything in your life with complete ease and do it completely perfectly. So you push yourself as hard as possible because deep down, you feel deeply inadequate. Now, when we look at the positive aspect or the um, strength of the superhero, you know how to put yourself really hard. You, you know how to, you know move forward and achieve something in multiple areas. You can be an expert in multiple areas. And so you should embrace the fact that for the most part, those things come easy to you. But when it comes to really kind of looking into the downsides of this superhero imposter syndrome space, let's look at some of the things that you can do to kind of step back from that. When you're feeling inadequate, I don't necessarily love fake it till you make it. I love make it till you make it. Realize that, okay, um, I can't keep all these things going at the same time. I'm going to, if I'm struggling with all of them, why don't I set one down for a little bit and see if that helps me make things better? Now, here's the other thing. You don't have to actually achieve it all. I heard something really great by our first female secretary of state, which was Madeleine Albright. Actually, got to meet Madeline Albright a few years ago. Unfortunately, I was not wearing the black and white Chanel suit like I had wanted to when I met her. Um, oh, there was also a gray and light pink one, a combination with some tweed. That uh, anyway, I digress. But um, I got to shake her hand and whatnot. And of course, she is now past, which is deeply sad. But in her book, Madam President, she says women, you know, are now kind of coming to the space where we believe that we can have it all. And she said, we can have it all. We just often cannot have it all at once. So one of her first like actual paying jobs was was secretary of state, Uh, or maybe something slightly before that, but it was in the Clinton administration. Before that, you know, she married and she had three daughters and it took her 13 years to finish her PhD. She, I believe she was living in, um, if I'm not incorrect, I believe that she was living in Washington, D.C., bulk of that time. And she was raising her kids and slowly doing her PhD. And then these kinds of opportunities came up. And I, I thought that was so accurate. You don't have to actually do it all at once. Although we life is short we also have a bit of time. And by being very strategic, I think, and saying, okay, these are the years when I'm raising my children. What small things can I do to constantly grow and improve and set myself up for, you know, maybe when the kids are a bit older? Okay, now I'm in this new phase. My kids are off to college or whatever, or they've moved out of the house or they're in a trade school or whatever it is, right that they are pursuing next. Okay, now I need to kind of find that next thing for myself. So over the course of her life, she hid all the things that she wanted. I believe for the most part I mean I didn't actually ask her that question. Um but, Isn't that beautiful? No, she didn't have the high power job and raising the kids and finishing the PhD and had the perfect marriage and was the Washington hostess all at the same time. On the other hand, though, over the course of her life, she did. So you don't have to achieve it all right now. And then I think the other thing as well is This is that kind of woman who needs to learn to be kind to herself, needs to learn to let some things go, Um, needs to understand that she's not a failure just because she lets one of the balls drop, or she decides to pluck it from the air and set it off to the side for a little bit. We need to learn how to be incredibly kind to yourself. And I think the biggest takeaway for, you know, imposter syndrome is really that it stops you from going after what you want in life, whether it's that man, uh, that, you know, starting that business, uh, you know, whatever it is kind of for you in your life, but it's because you feel so inauthentic. When, when we're that authentic version of, of ourselves, it's so much easier to move through the world. At least it has been for me because I was the imposter for so long. I mean, my my teens, my 20s into my 30s. Now I'm just starting to kind of find that space the last, you know, um, I'd say seven years maybe where I feel authentically confident in who I am. So I don't have to hold on to these old masks, these five different masks anymore. And I've been a blend of several of them, okay? So you don't just have to be one, you could be a blend of several. But here's the other thing is that as I said before, it's been because I've gone down that road of doing the deeper work, diving into the wounds, uh, the trauma from childhood, from past relationships. From uh, I've even said you know, before, um, based upon your personality type, when I looked at both my Myers-Briggs personality type from an INFJ, and when I also looked at my Enneagram type, type four, this is why if I were to ever become a parent, I would you are not box my kid in or something and say, oh, you're this, right? Allow them to show you who they are. But as they get a little bit older and they reveal more and more about their personality type, you know, being aware of things like their Enneagram type, I think would be really nice because you could be, you could kind of say, oh, it's not helpful to my child when I say this. I often felt like there were some things that particularly probably less so my father because we have very similar personality types. Um, he's either an INFJ or an INFP and he's a type nine on the Enneagram. And I'm a type four and uh, one of my closest friends is a type nine. And so I I very much enjoy the peacemaker, um, but you know, the, the type nine, but at the same time, sometimes my mother would say stuff and I was just like, Wow, that was really hurtful. But because of my personality type, certain things that happened in life were going to be hurtful. We're going to cause some trauma and some wounds that I now have to go back and look at and work with and heal and go deeper with the other portion, too, I really think is the self-worth, as I said before. But let's look at it from the perspective of the feminine so, I was thinking about this a lot. A major part of the feminine's healing process is learning how to rest and receive. When we're in this space of imposter syndrome, we are constantly doing, constantly trying to achieve because we don't feel like we are worthy. Uh, and then again, we create all this stress, this anxiety. We are trying to prove our worth to other people we have this constant need to be working to overwork um and to do everything on our own and so i think our current society has really programmed the feminine to again overworking overgiving compensating oftentimes for the wounded masculine in our society and also the distorted masculine and therefore really Perpetuating, perpetuating the problem instead of kind of saying, wait a minute. And, and that's one of the biggest things I did to really work on my feminine was to, you know, so that I had connection to my deep feminine core again, and to really create a healthy inner masculine rather than a um, you know kind of the that wounded inner masculine or that distorted inner masculine that was either trying to control too much or had no direction and I think for me that was learning how to slow down a little bit learning how to understand that there are times of winter there are times of rest and rejuvenation and um I need to be a bit gentle with myself and I think it's really important to understand that the feminine is a very powerful creatrix. You are creative. I am creative. And we don't need to hustle and burn ourselves out. We need to do things with the flow of nature, with the flow of life, with the flow of our menstrual cycle. There are times when we simply need to slow down a little bit. We are caught in this trap so often of trying to be constantly um, productive. And I've actually found I become a lot more creative when I actually take some time for a break, a rest, doing something different. I tend to be a pretty scheduled person. Uh, Well, I think other people wouldn't say I'm quite scheduled. But I also love that because sometimes I'm just like, fuck it let's break this schedule let's let's be spontaneous love being able to do that every once in a while especially when i feel like that stress that anxiety kind of ratcheting up go for it now the other thing that we really need to learn especially breaking free from imposter syndrome as feminine women is that we need to understand that our gifts are different from that of the masculines There is no keeping up. We don't have to keep doing in order to prove our value and our worth. That doesn't mean we don't do things. That doesn't mean we don't go after our goals. But it means that we understand that we have different gifts, and that the workplace are certainly our romantic relationships and our and our uh, children's lives. They need. That feminine energy that feminine flow and personally in my own mind and um, especially with all the studying that I've done on what makes women uh, magnetic um the, the different kinds of seduction archetypes that women hold and also you know creating desire within our relationships is also by, completely and utterly owning our feminine nature. And that takes time. It's deconstructing a lot of old beliefs and continuing to build new ones. But here's the thing, is that the feminine, as feminine women, we are spiritual warriors. We are visionaries. We manifest in the spiritual space. And men, they build in the physical space. That doesn't mean that sometimes a man can't, you know, manifest in the spiritual and we can't build in the physical, but we have to understand that space that we're in as well. And I think the spiritual space is being very in tune to our body, being very in tune to what our body needs, what nourishes us, because then we can nurture and nourish others. We can nurture and nourish the, the environments, the homes, the uh, communities, the workplaces that we work in. And, you know, we can find small times of rest. Uh, it doesn't have to be obviously all the time, but we can also really look at, you know, how, how many sports our kids play. Uh, are they always going? Are we always going? Are we always in the car? you know, in, in kind of our free time. Take a look at that. The spiritual space is also your intuition. It's your creativity. It's your feminine wisdom. It is, yes, your strategy as a woman, your knowledge, um, you know, uh, this space where you can, um, really develop things that are of interest to you. It's also your feminine leadership. It's also your ability to go after goals. It's also your ability to you know um you know create um you know close connections with people, but also that internal space, that close connection with yourself and I think that the more that we honor this. The more that we work through you know, our wounds and our trauma, we go deeper with ourselves. We know ourselves incredibly well. We understand our value and our worth. And I think as well, the more that we learn to self-actualize, becoming those highest versions of ourselves, I like to call it the divine feminine. Um, I think that we can kind of slowly let go of our grip on these kind of five different spaces of imposter syndrome. I don't have to be that anymore. I used to be several of those kind of blended together. It created nothing but stress, anxiety, discontentment, lack of joy, lack of connection to myself. So consider ways that you can grow and change, that you can um address some of these areas in yourself. If you are looking for a place to do some of your self-healing work, um, I invite you to come over to the members club. So this is a space that I created over on Mighty Network. So it's an app. You can take it with you on your phone. Um, and it's what I really wished I had as I was doing my own self-healing work, you know, 10 plus years ago. And In that space, there's kind of two parts. One is a free space, a community. Um, Every uh, every so often I post there. uh, There's a live call there once a month. I also uh, like to kind of generate a book club, um, just kind of offering to people what I am reading, particularly when it comes to uh, I keep all my dark mafia romance books off of that. Um, but I do share all of the uh, more kind of psychology or uh, transformational kinds of things that I'm reading. Um, I'm actually thinking about putting up a lovely little. <clears throat> <clears throat> Sorry, I just choked on my own saliva. Mm. <clears throat> We're good. Um, there was a little uh, journal that I just got um, that's really been quite helpful, and so I might even put up something like that. Just uh, I don't know. Sometimes I always need something like that, something fresh. But there's the other section of the community, which is the members club, and that is a paid subscription of $29 a month. And I create a new masterclass or self-healing topic every month. And um, that is when you'll have multiple videos and then workbook pages on things like the abandonment, wound, self-limiting beliefs, um, the fear of commitment, fear of rejection in january we're looking at the fear of failure in february we're actually going to be looking at limerence in relationships so love addiction um which i'm very excited to to dive into as well and you know this is a community of women where we believe that we are our own best self healers and so you know if that's of interest to you join us there um as well I have a free quiz, as I talked about earlier in the podcast episode, and I now have the Feminine Reclaiming course available to you. And that is where uh, you can take the free quiz and kind of determine whether or not you are the wounded, distorted, awakened, or the divine feminine. And depending on what space that you're in, uh, you can go um, kind of take these courses and I really dive deep into uh, kind of healing the wounds and the trauma and uh, really understanding what kind of men that you attract, what are some of the things that you need to work on when you're in your wounded and distorted feminine space, and how to move into that awakened space. And when you're in the awakened space, how do you keep working on your wounds and trauma there, and how do you uh, keep you know manifesting and, and creating the life that you deeply want? And in the divine feminine space, and even if you're already there, uh, we really look at the kinds of again partnerships, relationships, co-creating those relationships, or that one relationship that you would really like. Um, and then also really taking that purpose that you have and putting that out into the world so that you are really living life in a way that makes you feel deep fulfillment and deep joy. Uh, so if you are interested in the members club um, or the um, the. Quiz or the uh, course, you can uh, look at the show notes down below. You can click on the links there, or you can also go to at create love freedom on Instagram and click on the link in my bio. Uh, you'll find everything linked up there for you as well, so you can check all of that out. And you know, as we are moving into this next year, um, I just wanted to let everyone know how deeply grateful I am that you. Are a listener um you could spend your time doing multiple different things. I am so proud of you for really examining some of these things in life uh for going deep with yourself and uh for simply allowing me to speak to you for a little bit every you know few days or a uh, couple times a week or even if it was just this topic um I am deeply grateful for you. I have just been blown away by the amount of people who reach out to me and send me an email. By the way, my email is createlovefreedom at gmail.com. If you want to tell me your story, you can do so. Um, But then also just the responses that I've gotten, the amount of people who are downloading and listening is just utterly astronomical to me. So uh, I am just, um, I'm so deeply grateful to have you in my life, even if I do not know your name you, I feel you and you are, you're a part of that. So as always, I hope that this episode was helpful for you until next time.